We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm ready to move on yes. to a more happy, fun topic, right? And that is Notre Dame's bowl game. And South Carolina coming into town. came into, I mean, they're, they're coming into this bowl game, Ryan, off two of the better back-to-back wins of this. I mean, you could make a case that no team had a, a two-week result like they had. I mean, yep. can you think of anybody? I can't think of no. anybody. They beat, what, is it number one Tennessee? No, no, number three Tennessee, because Georgia had not – they were number one when they lost to Georgia, correct? Yes. Tennessee was number one then lost to Georgia. But I think mm-hmm. they were up, back up to like number three or four, and then oh South Carolina beat them. Yeah. And beat them convincingly. Then like they 60, go on the – 63 to 38 35 or, or so, 38, 35. something like that. Yeah, yeah. it was insane. Then they go back on the road the next week to Clemson, who's dominated them recently. I mean, not just beat them, but dominated them recently. Fall behind early, throw pick six. You're, you're. I think you were down like fourteen to nothing at one point. It was like twenty three to ten or twenty three to fourteen. And they come storming back and end up winning that game, mm-hmm. and and never quit. Fell behind in in that game early and and battled because a team with less. I mean, it showed me something about Shane Beamer. To be honest yeah. with you, that his that he's got his team. They were just coming off in, in the week before Tennessee. Do you remember what happened the week before they played Tennessee, Ryan? They had a clunker against someone. They it got was... curb stomped by Florida. I think it was yeah. like 38 to 6, I think <laughs> is what the score was. Let me let me look up that score real quick. But it was like it was a beat down. And the reality is, Ryan, is yes, 38 to 6. They beat Vanderbilt the week before that. And then the week before that, they lost at home to Missouri. That team was on the verge of the past South Carolina teams under Will Muschamp. They fold. They lose their last two games. They finish six and six with no momentum, and they're playing in a bowl game and against an opponent nobody cares about. But that <laughs> yeah. team showed me some inf- intestinal fortitude, which comes from leadership at the top and then throughout the roster that, hey, guys, this is not okay. We're bouncing back, and we're, we got Tennessee come to town, and we're going to take it to them. And they came out in that game, Ryan, fired up. And that said something to me about that coaching staff. And so came out, battled that game, big win. Then you say, okay, did they come in overconfident against Clemson? When they get punched in the mouth by Clemson and throw a pick six, do they fold? No, 
They battled. Mm -hmm. So they're coming into this game hot and with a lot of confidence. Now, yes, they're losing players, but there's a lot coming back, just like Notre Dame's losing players. And Mm -hmm. I would argue that the loss of, of, of Isaiah Foskey and Michael Mayer is equal to the six or seven guys that they've lost. I mean, with all due respect, Jaheim Bell and Austin Sogner losses, they're still not Michael Mayer, with all due respect, combined. So this is not going to be a, oh, you're playing a depleted team because you're a depleted team. (laughs) You know what I mean? So big game, big moment, and sort of look at the expectations for this game, right? What should they be? And so these predictions start coming out. Number one, Notre Dame is a two-point favorite, which means the odds makers see this as a very heavily contested, hotly contested game. South Carolina finished ranked ahead of Notre Dame in two of the three polls. Mm-hmm. So this, I mean, both eight and four records, both are losing top players from this game. And so you're sitting in a situation where what separates these two teams? Well, ESPN and Sporting News both made predictions on what they think this game is going to be. They both predicted Notre Dame to lose and lose close games. The reason was, Ryan, quarterback. South Carolina has a red-hot quarterback coming into it. Notre Dame's starting quarterback for the last 10 games is gone. Tyler Buckner, who didn't play very well in his two starts, is now in. You know, at first I was like, really? You guys are picking South Carolina to win? But then you read their analysis, and it made a lot of sense. Like, I, I get it. as From an outsider point of view, I understand, Ryan, right. why they are looking at it the way they're looking at it. Because there is that's the one area where right now there is a big, big gap is mm-hmm. experience and production at quarterback. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, I have no quarrel with it. I really don't because the other part of it is not only is Notre Dame now potentially starting Tyler Buckner again, who, like you said, didn't play very well before he got injured. He's also, again, if you kind of do your homework on him, he's also had a bunch of injuries, right? So it's like he also could be one play away from also not being in this football game, and then you're down to a true freshman quarterback at that mm-hmm. point. So it's understandable. Right. Like I, 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 don't, I don't really have any pushback on it. Like I, I, I mean, I personally think that Notre Dame 
has a very good opportunity to win this football game and can win convincingly if things go right. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's a valid point. You know, there is uncertainty at the most important position on the field for Notre Dame. And you don't have you don't have as much right now with South Carolina because although Spencer Rattler wasn't very good early in the season, he's playing well right now, right? Like we always say, right. what matters most, what you did for me lately, right? And lately, Spencer Rattler's been pretty good. So, And you know what else, Ryan? For all the crap he takes, and I've got my concerns and issues with Spencer Rattler, mm-hmm. when he threw that pick six against Clemson, I tweeted, Clemson's about to run South Carolina out of this building. Yeah. Because that's the moment in the past where Spencer Rattler fades. Mm-hmm. He yep. didn't. He came right back at him. Yeah. And so do you have to ask yourself, did he finally turn a corner? That's a that's a legitimate question. Is he maturing? Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. So uh, I get it. I get it. Now, what I want to discuss, Ryan, is that, yes, I understand it. I think, I think Adam Rittenberg's analysis of why he predicted South Carolina, I don't agree with it. I'm going to predict Notre Dame to win. When we do our predictions, I will. I still think Notre Dame has the better team top to bottom. I also have a little bit more faith in, in, in Tyler Buckner. And, like I said, Tommy Reese has coached in three bowl games. And you can say a lot about Tommy Reese, and you can criticize him a lot about a lot of things. What you can't criticize him is his game plans coming into the three bowl games, even in, against right. Alabama. They moved the ball early in that game. Mm-hmm. The, there was guys open in that game. Quarterback just didn't hit them. They right. ripped up Iowa State. I mean, ripped up Iowa State. A lot of people thought they were, you know, couldn't get upset that game. You know, Iowa State wasn't that good, but you know, oh, they're going to overlook them. And remember, there was the reports about how bad they were in practice and all that mm-hmm. other kind of stuff. And they came out and just put that to bed early. <laughs> and then last year, I mean, the, the game plan early last year. I mean, okay, halftime adjustments, whatever you want to talk about. But man, they came out against Oklahoma State and ripped Oklahoma State apart in that ball game. So this has been one of those things where we can criticize certain things about Tommy Reese or whatever the case may be. But if you're going to tell me, well, he has, you know, uh, I don't think Tom Reese can get them ready for a bowl game. I might answer me based on what, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Well, he didn't have, he didn't have Brian Kelly and have had Brian Kelly last year getting ready for the Oklahoma state game either. Against one of right? the best defenses in college football last year. Right. 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 Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> So that those are the factors that make me think Notre going to win, but I also think that it is a a, a matchup that's a, a a good one. South Carolina will be a battle; it'll be a test. You're not just going to show up and roll the ball out and beat them like you did BC. This right. is a way better football team than that, right? So it, it makes it interesting, Ryan. But I, but I think that the that the the concern about quarterback is is fair as we discussed. It's fair. But yeah. what should the expectations be for this game, right? And that's kind of the thing that I first want to get into. Just mm-hmm. overall, I think the expectation still should be, even without Michael Mayer and Isaiah Foskey, I think the expectation should still be that Notre Dame should be able to come out and win this game because I still think top to bottom, and this is no slight on South Carolina. I mean, Shane Beamer's in year two, y'all, like of taking over for a coach who got fired, mm-hmm. right? Now, Marcus Freeman's in year one. But we're talking about year two in regards to building your roster the way you want your roster. And Marcus Freeman South- inherited a – go ahead, Ry. Oh, no, I was just going to say in South Carolina lost a lot off that roster after after right before Shane Beamer took over as the head coach as well. So there was turnover on that roster, on a roster that wasn't very good under Will Muschamp too, obviously the latter of his, of his, uh, of his career there. So, I mean, just for some context, it was not a very good roster that Shane Beamer took over. He has gotten talent out of guys that didn't show a lot. He's mm-hmm. used the portal wisely because mm-hmm. here's the reality. There was risk taking Spencer Rattler. 
But that's the only way you're going to get a quarterback with that talent in the portal was by taking a kid that's got some red flags that other people are going to be afraid of. Yep. And they got the kid to play better and better and better as the year went on. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, he's done a good job. But, you know, obviously the Notre Dame roster and Marcus Freeman inherited was better. Now, it's not perfect by any stretch. And, the, you know, there's some injuries and a couple guys, really important guys you lost. But I still think the expectation for Notre Dame should be that this is a game you're going to go into and win. I think that mm -hmm. still needs to be absolutely the, the the biggest expectation. I mean, we're kind of stating the obvious, Ryan, but I, but I think it needs to be said that that, first of all, big picture, before we dive into the specifics as to why, that should still be the expectation. I get why I respect why, because you know I respect Bill. He does mm -hmm. a show with us. I love his yep. opinion. And you know what I love about it, too? I've never once told him, hey, Bill, you need to think this. You need to say this. You need to do this. Because I know he's going to give you honest analysis, just like he and I were joking about how he does his All-American list for sporting news. He's like, mm -hmm. well, I know I got one right, tight end. Well, he had Michael Mayer as the first-team All-American at tight end. You know, and and so they debated that on their CFB Nation show, by the way, which came out today. So if you haven't listened to that yet, it's on the podcast app, CFB Nation. But he they had the sort of an All American debate. You know, Hendon Hooker versus who was the other quarterback that he was debating that with? Um, uh, let me look at the let me look at the uh, the outline that he sent me. But I'm trying to remember what the what the quarterback debate was. It was Hendon Hooker against the, this was yesterday's show versus Max Dugan as far as like Heisman and, and All-American debates. And then they debated Michael Mayer versus Brock Bowers, and Bill explained why he went with Mike Mayer there. So this is not an anti-Notre Dame guy at all. Uh, he, But that he just I, – I understand as someone who doesn't follow Notre Dame every single day like we do, why he would take, yeah. take South Carolina to win that game. Sure. Right? Sure. Um, same with Adam Rittenberg. Yeah. But I think, I think I'd look at it differently, Ryan, and I believe you do too. I, I do because I, I – I just think there's a talent gap there. I mean, and we'll get into why that is, right, in certain instances. But I think the one thing that you said, Brian, that I agree with in a vacuum is that, yes, while maybe the six losses or whatever it is for South Carolina may be equal to two that Notre Dame has just because you're losing two stars with Notre Dame. The one thing, though, is that with losing so many bodies for South Carolina for a roster that doesn't have the greatest depth in the world – losing that many guys, like that's going to hurt you, right? And I think that when you talk about losing the talent they lost comparative to their entire roster level of talent, that's going to leave a gap. And I think there was already a gap. Even if they had all their dudes playing and Notre Dame had their guys playing, I think there's still a substantial gap between the talent level on both rosters. But I think when you talk about the players that they also lost that are I mean, Cam Smith might go in the first round this year, the cornerback that opted out. Marshawn Lloyd was a top – Hundred um, caliber recruit coming out of mm -hmm. high school, and when know? healthy, a pretty good running back. When exactly. healthy, Jaheim right. Bell was a very highly coveted player in the transfer portal before opting for Florida State. Like they have some guys. Hold on, on there. Yes. Do you mean that teams would covet a, an, a tight end who's so athletic you can move him to running back? I, I, I could see that. I guess. I guess Believe I could see that. Yeah. Believe it or not, okay, their defensive tackle, their defensive tackle Zach Pickens is going to be drafted probably in the top hundred picks right. in the draft this year. Like they, they have some legit dudes that that opted out, and the fact that you're losing depth for a roster that I think is still building depth up, I don't think it's great right now. I think you look at it just on a in a vacuum on paper and say Notre Dame has a talent gap here, guys. Like they do. Now the question is the positions that Notre Dame is has question marks at. We're matching up against the ones that South Carolina has question marks at 
which one is more detrimental, I guess. But just from, from on a paper perspective, I think that it's pretty clear that Notre Dame has more talent from a roster perspective. Right. So let's dive into that a little bit, Ryan. I think part of what we look at when we when we break this game down is I think it's about matchups, right? A big part of college football is about matchups. And the question is, which of the matchup advantages will Notre Dame be able to exploit? Will the matchups that we saw during the season still play out against them with different rosters for both teams, right? Like how's South Carolina, what thing they're not very good at? Running the football. You know what else not very good at? Stopping the run. And when they got beat this year, that was a big reason why. It was their inability to do one and inability to stop the other. And so I think that that's something that you look at. And obviously, what was Notre Dame pretty good at this year? Well, we've talked about that. So, if, I mean, if you look at – we talked about their two losses in the regular season, at the end of the regular season. Here's what South Carolina did in their four losses. 29 carries for 40 yards rushing against Arkansas. 30 carries for 92 yards against Georgia. 23 carries for 32 yards against Missouri. 23 carries for 44 yards against Florida. And then in the games that they lost on uh, offensively, uh, actually, I'm sorry. Those were their off. Yes, those are their offensive numbers. Yes, and their defense in those games against Arkansas gave up 295 yards rushing on 65 carries, gave up 208 yards rushing on 35 carries to Georgia, uh, gave up 143 yards and two touchdowns in 43 carries against Missouri. Okay, and then they gave up 374 yards and 54 attempts against Florida. And let's be real about something else. There's only one reason, one reason that they beat Clemson by a point, mm-hmm. one point. And that reason is Clemson's starting quarterback went eight of 29. <laughs> That's why they lost. Their starting quarterback went eight of 29 for 99 yards, right? <laughs> and still could have won the game. It's yes. Wild. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's not good, <sighs> right? That That's not good at all. It's terrible. And so you, you look at that and say, well, what is Notre Dame good at? They're good at running the football. And mm-hmm. at times this season, they've been pretty good at stopping the run. At other times, they're not. Right. And and so that's reason number one for me. And then you take out Zach Pickens from that. <laughs> yes. That's, I mean. Your, right. your best player in the front seven by far right. for South Carolina. No, no, not even a debate. Right. So those are the things you look at, Ryan, and say th- that's that's where for me this game this matchup starts is I look at the trench battles, mm-hmm. and I think that's the first area you look at and say, boy, I really even without Foskey, I really like that part of this matchup for Notre Dame yeah. is they're playing a team that can't run because there's this in USC, USC couldn't stop the run, but they could run. Mm-hmm. They were a good running football team, averaging over 180 yards coming into that game. South Carolina is like 123 coming yeah. into this game. Yeah. And and when you look at the numbers too, Ryan, that 123 gets inflated by the fact they ran for 295 against Charlotte, 185 against South Carolina State, and 208 against Vanderbilt. <laughs> right? I mean, they had six games this year where they were under 100 yards. Oof. And another game with 118. So – and you, and you don't have your best running back who was averaging like 5.2 a carry. Right. Like it's, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, because their leading rusher now is is the McDowell kid, right? That has like right. sub 200 yards on the season. Right. So 
Yeah. They do have the Christian Beal kid. I don't know if he's healthy. I'd have to go look into that. If there's a South Carolina fan listening, let us know. Because I know he didn't play a full season this year. That's the kid that transferred in from Wake Forest. Wake, yeah. So I'd be curious if he's healthy because he didn't play a ton. And I don't know if that's because he was just buried on the depth chart, if he was injured. I haven't got that in-depth to this specific matchup of their third string running back just yet. We'll get there. All right? We'll, we'll get oh, there. You, have, you haven't done that yet? Are you kidding me? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So – that's uh that's kind of what when when I when I look at it that's a big part of of and, how I see this going. And on the other side of it too, Brian. I mean, as of right now, you know, we haven't heard any different that Jared Patterson's not going to play, right? So you've heard, right? You haven't heard that he's going to not play, so we're going to assume that he is as of right now. So right. you could legitimately have your starting five up front offensively against a not great run defense that has a. NFL level defensive tackle run stopper that is not going to be playing in this football game as well. So if you're talking about a clear advantage, Notre Dame's offensive line and run game should have a clear advantage against the South Carolina front seven, because they they just don't have a ton of talent up there, man. Like they got Jordan Birch, who I know was a good, was a pretty high recruit, but he hasn't really materialized. Like their only player that's really played at a high level this year is Zach Pickens. And with him not in this football game, should be tough for them to stop the run. Again, that's on paper, but right. that's what, that's the that's all we can go off of right now is what's on paper. I think there's another part of this too, Ryan, is is what is South Carolina good at? What are the things that they were good at this year? Well, they weren't great at running the rushing the football, but you know what they were pretty good at? Throwing the football at times. Sure. The other thing that they were pretty good at this year uh is I think I might have misspoke on this yesterday. But remember when you and I did that prediction show before the Tennessee-South Carolina game, and I said, I got my eye on this game. One of the reasons why is because I really liked South Carolina's secondary. Their results aren't always great, but I like the talent in the secondary. And I thought that the matchup against Tennessee, I thought that they could slow them down enough. Now, I did not see that as a – I thought maybe they could pick a couple balls off and maybe win 38-35 to because I don't have a lot of faith in Tennessee's defense. But – I mean, I didn't see them win in the way they did, but it, I really thought they could make enough disruptive plays in the secondary mm-hmm. against the Tennessee receiving core and Hendon Hooker to to stay in that game because I thought right. they could score a little bit on Tennessee. That was really it. I mean, I, I think they've got a really athletic secondary mm-hmm. that has been productive. And there's some depth there too, Ryan. Like if, if mm-hmm. they're they're down a kid, there's some kid. That's an area where I think he's recruited well early on, but that's one area I thought he inherited a pretty decent situation was secondary talent for, so that's the other part of this. And so that's when you say, okay, well, what matchups concern you? That's one right there Mm -hmm. is they're pretty good. They're pretty good when it comes to stopping the pass. They're not great at getting after the quarterback, which makes it even, which is says a lot about secondary Mm -hmm. that they could be as good as they are. Cause Ed, Ryan, here's a crazy number for you. They had this year 18 sacks on the season. Mm-hmm. They had the number 27 pass defense in the country. They had the number, see here, where are they at here? 26 pass defense in the country from an efficiency standpoint, only allowed 6.5 yards per pass attempt, which ties for 20, uh, t- ties for 29th in the country, one spot ahead of Notre Dame. Notre Dame's 35th, but it's literally a bunch of people tied at 29, then a bunch of people tied at 35. Right, six point five for South Carolina, six point six for Notre Dame. We've talked about this. 
that's the opposite side. Notre Dame has a very good pass defense. We expect it to be healthier than it was against USC, not all the way back. Mm-hmm. But that's the question is that's the one matchup in this game, Ryan, that I think for Notre Dame should give you a little bit of pause is sure. Notre Dame's pass offense against South Carolina's pass defense. It's a very good pass defense. Notre Dame's pass offense has been a bit of a struggle, and now you're asking a quarterback who hasn't played in two months to step in without your best pass game weapon. Mm-hmm. I think that would be the the one area we look at expectations. You're going to have to do well in an area you haven't done well all season if you're going to win, because I don't see this being a 17 to 14 game. I think the defense can play well against South Carolina, but I don't see them holding them to, you know, six, 10, 13, 14 points. I mean, you know, maybe 20, 27 potentially, mm-hmm. but not seven, 10, in my opinion. And if they yeah. do, Al Golden's going to be hearing some praises from us because this is a good offense in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. And it, it's, I mean, that's one thing that even under Will Muschamp in the later years, I, I think that one thing that South Carolina has always had is, they have had talent in the secondary. I mean, if you go back to like the J.C. Horn, Israel McQuamu, and then they had the uh, the the kid that's at um, what's the kid's name that's at Florida State now, the safety Robinson. I forgot his first name, but he's right. a good football player. Jamie, as well. right? Jamie Robinson, who's now with Florida State. They've had talent in the secondary, and then I, like I said, they have Cam Smith that opted out of the game to prepare for the NFL draft, but he's a talented kid. Yeah. But to your point, there's they have some other guys in the wings. Right. But the, they have a freshman safety that I think was their leading tackler this year that is a Kyle Hamilton clone. He's like mm-hmm. 6'4, 220 pounds. That they play working from depth a lot, which is pretty wild. So yeah, they have some Good talent out there. I, I'm, that's not an Eamon Worry. I know he's number 24. Right? That's all I know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and the thing is, is they they do a nice job. There's a lot of athletes in South Carolina. What the state mm-hmm. of South Carolina doesn't produce a ton of is linemen. Yeah. But they produce a lot of athletes. And then they're mm-hmm. right there by Georgia and Florida. And they get a lot of those three-star kids that a lot of people didn't recruit. They get some North Carolina kids. And to your point, Ryan, they this isn't like a an anomaly with mm-hmm. them when no. it comes to talent and secondary. You know, I, mean, I know J- you were J- very J. high Horn on was a yeah. Georgia guy. Well, that's so, what I was going to say. Yeah. You were very yeah. high on him coming out of the draft. Didn't you have him as the top cornerback in that draft class? And yeah. he's has he's played pretty well so far, correct? He he should make the Pro Bowl this year. Okay. So yeah, he's okay. been very good. Been very good. Right. He got hurt. I know, he, I know he got hurt during that. his rookie year, and then this year he's been very good. That corner class two years ago, man, with him and Patrick Sertan Jr. at the top was very yeah. very good, very very yeah. good. But yeah, I mean they they've always had talent in the secondary, man. Like there's no doubt and. They still have talent, even with Cam Smith out. So I think it's good that Tyler Buckner in this passing game, now with Tobias Merriweather back from injury, has these 15 practices to get ready mm-hmm. and to get that on the same page. But we talked about this yesterday. Live bullets are a lot different, right? Game time's a lot different. So they, they're going to have to be ready to play. Because right. They're going to get challenged in their passing game, no doubt about that. Well, in, in, in South Carolina, they don't get after the quarterback very well, and they know it. And so they do a lot of things schematically, Ryan, which we'll, we'll break down as we get closer to the game that that are going to things that are try to create problems with the quarterback. That's why they produce so many interceptions is their DBs are – this is a concern I have when you're looking at Tyler Buckner. Their defensive backs are pretty good at baiting quarterbacks into perimeter throws. Would you agree yep. with that? Like Marshall was, and then they finally got Tyler you know, late in the game on one of those. Almost got him again earlier in the game. But that's something I think the South Carolina kids do a really good job of as well. And Notre Dame's going to have to be prepared for that, in my opinion. They're all long and pesky, man. They're going to be 
because I mean that's a good comparison against the Marshall game, Brian, right? Like you have Stephen Gilmore and Mike Abraham who were both long and they were both super aggressive, right? Like they were gonna stay in phase, they were staying in your hip pocket, and they were gonna break on everything short. And South Carolina has a lot of confidence in what they have in the secondary. So these guys are not gonna be playing eight yards, ten yards off, right? Like they're gonna be in your face and they're gonna dare you to take chances. And Notre Dame, it's, from there, it's going to be Notre Dame to capital. It's going to be up to Notre Dame to capitalize if they can to make some big plays mm-hmm. in the passing game. Will they be able to? That's a big mm-hmm. question mark. And that's definitely a spot where I think South Carolina is going to feel pretty good about right. coming into the football game. Right. They're going to do what everybody else did, Ryan. They're going to come into that game and they're going to beat the receivers up at the line of scrimmage, right? Say, so, hey, you're going to have to, you're going to have to beat me up. You're going to have to beat me down the field. You're going to have to, you know, get off the line. You're going to have to get into your routes. You're going to have to – we're not going to let you throw a quick game. We're not going to let you get the ball in space easily to your W or your Z or your X. You're going to have to throw the ball down the field. Now, that doesn't mean Notre Dame can't, can't design some things to get the ball quickly to the perimeter. They can and they should, right? And there are times where you can get those little quick five, six-yard gains into the boundary. They will play some off coverage into the boundary at times where you can, you know, just knock a little quick enough. The thing I like about what they do, though, is they'll disguise that, though. They won't just play nine yards off and open up and bail. They'll play on and then bail at the snap, which requires a quarterback to make really quick, hey, look, the window's open, but that guy's pressed at the snap. You see that guy bail. I'm taking that sucker, bam, we're checking it down on the hitch route or we're hitting the stop route or whatever the case may be. And knowing that you can hit those routes, but you're asking a quarterback who doesn't have a lot of experience throwing the football in college to to make those decisions, that's where the, the matchup can get problematic. And as you said, we know that Tyler Buckner can physically do that. We've seen him make those quick decisions in practice, and we actually saw him make those decisions last year. We just didn't see him make them this year a whole lot. And so that's going to be the key, is Tyler's going to have to be a good decision maker. But again, Tommy Reese is – that's why I'm really fascinated by this matchup, Ryan, because I really am – I really don't know what we're going to see from Notre Dame offensively, schematically and personnel-wise. I, I hope that we're going to see what we talked about in our show a couple days ago, but I don't know. But if we do, here's the thing. I'll say this: part of why I didn't think the game, the, the 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 offense during the season was necessarily as good as it should have been, mm-hmm. is because I don't really think. Like I think here's I believe two things. I think Tom Reese is a guy that wants to run the football. I do. I don't think Tom Reese is a guy that wants to come out in 13 personnel and run it the way that they did this year. I think he's a guy that wants to have a balanced attack. I think he's a guy that wants to be able to throw the ball for 275 and run for 225. That's what I think Tom Reese. And have a pass game that's really efficient, a lot like what we saw late last year. That, to me, is where I think Tommy Reese wants to be. I don't think he is the guy we saw this year. I don't think he's the guy we saw in the bowl game who's going to mm-hmm. throw it 68 times. I don't think that's what he wants to do. That was out of necessity because they were getting their butts kicked in the trenches in the run game last year. Yeah. And so I think he's a guy that does want to be able to use 11 personnel. I think he's a guy that wants to be able to use 21 at times if he feels he's got the quarterback to do that. Mm-hmm. And you don't have Michael Mayer to, to, to build your game plan around this year like you had early in the season. So I think that's part of it, too, is like I think I'm a pretty smart football guy. I, I've been a pass game coordinator and, and things like that in my career. But you put me in a triple option offense, and I'm not game planning that as well as I could. And, and I've coached in a triple option offense, right? Like, so it took me a while to kind of get comfortable with that, and 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 say, okay. But even the the, the ins and outs are like just I couldn't know it like the dudes that were in it, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, when you're not doing necessarily what you truly ultimately want to be, you're not going to do it quite as well as you do. That's why I'm really excited to see this bowl game because. 
I think what we could see in this game is more of who I think ultimately Tommy Reese wants to be. Mixing up personnel, 12-1 series, 21 the next, 11 the next, you know, coming out on one series, just messing with you to go 13 personnel just to mess with you. And then mm-hmm. the very next play, spread the field and throw the football. I think that's who he wants to be, Ryan. Yeah. And and I think that's going to make this interesting because out of that, you can get a lot more creative with your receiver and running back alignments. And that's that long tangent was to get here. Okay, sorry. Uh, it is those are the things you can do to get your receivers free easier than in 12 and 13 where they're just kind of on an island and all you can really do is motion them across. You can stack. You can you can do quick little zip motions to stack a guy behind off of a motion as opposed to just lining up that way. You can motion to a stack. You can do bunch and then boom, you know, do a shift or th- I mean, there's so much more you can do when you have more athletes on the field pre-snap, which can then create a team like South Carolina who likes to do a lot of different things coverage structure wise can give them some problems because now you're snapping the ball as their mid communication point made checkpoint. Mm-hmm. And that's what he was able to do to Oklahoma State a little bit last year. Is a lot of motions and shifts and things like that, going empty one play, 12 the next, doing a lot of things like that, and it gave them problems. And that's where I think Tom Reese is at his best, in my opinion. That's what we saw against Florida State last year. That's mm-hmm. what we saw in the last six games of the year. That's what we saw in 2019 in the bowl game. And that's what we saw, and we said this, late in the year in 2020, Notre Dame's pass offense was starting to roll before they had the multiple offensive line injuries. Because remember, uh, Tommy Kramer got hurt. No, not um, yes, Tommy Kramer got hurt in 2020. Then Josh Lug got hurt, and, and Jarrett Patterson got hurt. Zeke Carell mm-hmm. comes in. He gets hurt. Josh Lug is now back. He's got to move to center. Like Their offensive line was a mess late in the season, and that's when the offense sputtered again. But coming into that game, that offense was starting to heat up a little bit. And, and again, why? They were balanced. Right, they were efficient throwing the football. They weren't throwing it a ton, you know, thirty-nine against Clemson, but that was partly overtime, and that they needed to do that. Took some shots out of the field, but twenty-eight against Boston College, thirty-three against North Carolina, uh, you know, twenty-six against Georgia Tech, thirty-three against Pitt for a bunch of yards. I mean, you're starting to the last. Uh, let's see here, the last five games of the regular season, they went three nineteen. 119 against Georgia Tech. You had a couple drops, but you jumped on them kind of early and went to the run game. 310 against Clemson, 283 against Boston College, 279 against North Carolina, 285 against Syracuse. And as we mentioned the other day when we read those stats, you had like three or four just pure drop balls in that game because of the sun for whatever reason that day was was jacking up with the receivers. Joe Wilkins dropped one in the sun. Javon McKinley dropped one in the sun. And there was one more drop in the sun that game. Otherwise, he's over three bills that game again. So we've seen this from Tommy, and and so that's why I think with the personnel that they are, that's why we did the show we did the other day. I truly believe we're going to see that, Ryan, and we need to see it because that's the that's the way you can get guys free against South Carolina, in my opinion, yeah. is that type of stuff. Well, and and also they're going to, I mean, they're going to load up against the run. They know they can't yeah. stop the run very well, right? So there's going to be a lot of situations where. Notre Dame's in one-on-one situations just to begin with, right? They're going to trust their guys to play your guys. And especially if you're able to create some of those free releases, whether it is by stacking or the short motions or whatever it is, I think, again, I think that one thing that Tommy Reese has unquestionably done is that 
he does have creativity in the passing game to scheme some guys open, right? Like he can get those free releases. He can. And I think you're going to need to see, you're going to need to do that because I think especially early in the football game, they're going to load up to stop the run. They know they're not good at it. They're going to put extra numbers in the box and you're going to have to create some opportunities in the passing game, take the opportunities in the passing game, free it up a little bit. And then that's when Aldrick Estime, Logan Diggs, and the rest of the uh, rest of the boys start to wear you down in that football game. I, I really think that this might be a game where the pass game sets up the run a little bit. Like I think that this one is one where you might want to try to loosen things up a little bit, get the guy out of the box and make them respect the, the passing game and to be able to scheme up with some guys. So I actually think that's a – usually I'm a let's run the football to set up the pass game more, but I, in this game, this one might be one where – you say they're not going to respect your passing game. They have a pretty good secondary. Let's let's get some play, create some plays on them, and then let's the guy, let the guys uh, run down on them once they lighten that box a little bit. When you're able to create some explosive plays, I think the other part of this matchup too, Ryan, is on the other side. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame's had a really good pass defense all season for most of the season. There's been a couple games here and there, but, but even the, even the USC game, like they got a couple plays, but Caleb Williams was not ripping them up throwing the football. They had like three or four really big plays. And like you had the early third and one, or was it fourth and one it was a third and one or fourth and one where the tight end leaked out, got free. So the third and one. I think it was third. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it was third, yeah. You, you had a couple of those plays, couple missed tackles, but like he wasn't out there just shredding the Notre Dame defense and the, you know, throwing the football. I mean, they were, they right? were playing so much. They were playing such good pass coverage that most of the plays that he made in the passing game were him just extending the ball for right. so long and guys right. breaking open late. So like right. that wasn't, no, you're, wasn't you're pass right. coverage. You're right. And, and there's a lot of clips. If you go watch the all 22, there's a lot of plays of Jaden Mickey being pretty solid in coverage, right? It's just, then there's the, you know, a lot of times when you're watching on TV, you only see the ones where he gets beat, right? Right. It, we saw like, like the, the third and five one, out route or right. whatever it was. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So those are the things, Ryan, to me. But now here's the deal, though. You're not going to have Cam Hart in the game. Okay. Mm-hmm. You've played a game without him. You're going to be in a situation where you've got a month to prepare for life without him. But it's still – you can be prepared for it, but you're still not going to be as good as you would have been if he's in the game. Right. You, you don't have Isaiah Foskey, your best pass rusher. That's what we know for sure now. Those are two big pieces to a pass offense against what for South Carolina is a very good pass offense when it's on. That is the one thing I will say about the pass, South Carolina pass game, Ryan. And I'm curious if you agree or disagree with this. Mm-hmm. But it, the numbers they put up this year on the whole were impressive at, you know, at, at times. I mean, like, you know. Mm-hmm. We talk about how 453 yards against Tennessee, 360 against Clemson, 284 against Vanderbilt, 377 against Arkansas. But then there's 177 against Kentucky, 168 against Texas A&M, 171 in a loss against Missouri, 193 in a loss against Florida. It's It was very inconsistent pass game. But when it's on, it's really good. Here's another stat for you. The offense threw six, nine, ten interceptions in the first six games. Only threw three in the last six. Mm-hmm. So got a little better protecting the football. So when this pass game is on, Ryan, it's really good. What can Notre Dame do to slow down that pass game? That's going to be the question. But what I want to ask you about, and we'll dig into some specifics, is how do you see Notre Dame matching up personnel-wise on the perimeter 
with who they have coming back. Benjamin Morrison, Jaden Mickey, Tariq Bracey, and the sa- Clarence Lewis and the safeties. That's another part to me that you have to look at is interest. Like, okay, is Notre Dame's gonna, defense going to look like? Because what do we know about Tennessee? Their pass defense sucks. Mm-hmm. What do you know about Clemson? Their pass defense sucks. It's true all year. Notre Dame's does not suck, but it's not the group that it was for 12 games that didn't suck, right? Sure. It's going to have less. Yep. You know what I mean? That's going to be – yeah, that's going to be yeah. an interesting part. I would say this, right, like coming into the year – I, I mean, I think most people assume that Josh Van would be the best wide receiver for South Carolina, right? And, I mean, he dealt with some injuries, and now he's expected to miss this football game as well. But even without him, I would say the one thing that South Carolina has a wide receiver, in my opinion, is they have some speed at the position, right? And that's one thing that I'm interested to see how Jaden Mickey plays in this game. I am, because he's the one guy that – if his eyes aren't right or he goes for a little head fake or whatever it is, he's the guy that can give up a big play, right? So I think that you need to counteract this speed. I mean, from a talent perspective, I think Notre Dame matches up well, you know, like Benjamin Morrison, Jaden Mickey, Clarence Lewis, you know, whoever else in the secondary, like that you guys have, you have a more than enough athleticism and talent to counteract this team. And I think the one interesting thing as well, Brian, for me, is that I think there's going to be a lot of attention for Al Golden to stop the perimeter passing mm-hmm. game because you don't have those two tight ends that we talked about, right? You don't have Jaheim Bell. You don't have Austin Stockner. So there's not a huge middle of the field threat that South Carolina is going to boast in this football game. So now let's say the perimeter passing game is where it gives you the most trouble, right? And so you're going to need to find ways to – be aggressive on the outside with also maintaining good discipline, in my opinion. But I really think that for me, it starts up front. It really does. Like Mm -hmm. we've talked about it a ton yesterday. If you get pressure on Spencer Rattler, he's going to make some bad decisions, right? Whether it's an errant throw or a bad decision or, you know, throwing off his back foot and not quite getting enough on a football. Like he, he has a propensity to do those things. So I think that you have to be able to match up against speed against South Carolina. You need to understand that they have a lot of talent. But more than anything, I think it starts with the trigger, man. I think it starts with Spencer Rattler. You have to get after him because even without Isaiah Foskey against this offensive line that isn't very good at protecting the football in general, playing against a quarterback that also doesn't manage pressure very well and manage chaos very well, I still think Notre Dame has an opportunity to get after Spencer Rattler and force him into some bad decisions. Yeah, and that's going to be a big key. That's going to be a big key in this game is when Spencer Rattler is comfortable, he's really good. When he's and we gave the numbers, I'm not going to repeat them yet from yesterday. Yeah, we gave the numbers. So, Hausner can Notre Dame do we see a breakout from someone that gets us excited about next year? You know, um, I do, hope it's Jade we, Mickey, man. I hope it's Jade Mickey. Well, I mean, from a pass rushing standpoint, right? That's that's rushing, right. Yeah. So, do we see a Jordan Patelho situation? Do we see a Josh Burnham breakout? Does Justin Adamiola be like, hey, now that I'm just a Viper, you know, I, I. I'm going to have like eight pressures. In the, I don't know. Does Howard Cross be like, hey, uh, now's my turn. Does Riley Mills have the break? I don't know who that's going to be. Like Jeremiah Wusukoromo had a, had a really good 2019 season, but he really broke out in the bowl game and then vaulted himself into a great next year. Right now, does that happen with J.D. Bertrand as a pass? Does does Notre Dame finally find a role that Maris Luafau can get comfortable in and be good at? Those are all – this is Jalen Steed, Prince College. There's so many options 
Does yeah. somebody step up and become that guy? I think that's going to be a big part of this too, Ryan, because I don't, I don't want it to have to be where Al Golden has to scheme their way into success right? in this matchup. That's the thing yeah. I don't – now, if he can, great, but eventually, Ryan, you can't do that for 65 snaps a game. At some point, somebody's got to step up and say, I got this. Well, it's a great point too because coming into this season, just in general, you knew Isaiah Foskey was going to be a dude for you, right? You knew that as long as Cam Hart took a step forward and you know he dealt with some injuries, obviously throughout the season, but you thought Cam Hart could be a dude for you, and you thought that Jason Amalola could be another guy that maybe could be a dude for you, a very good player if not a dude potentially. Going into next season, right now, has it stands? You know that Benjamin Morrison's going to be a dude, right? You think Cam Hart, again, if he's healthy, could be a dude. But is there a dude up front right now? Like, do you have one? I, I don't know if you have one. You have a bunch of good players. Like, there's no doubt. Howard Cross is a good player. Justin Adam Malola, if he comes back, is a good player. Riley Mills is a good player. But can any of them make that ascension to being the dude, that guy, right? right? Where you go into next season, you're like, on a big third down, Riley Mills is our dude, right? Like that's the guy that's going to make a play. I don't, you don't have that answer right now, but I think it's important that you find that out, right? Because we talked right. about momentum for the team this offseason. That also can be tremendous momentum for Jordan Vitello or Riley Mills or Justin Amalolo or Howard Cross or whoever it is. And it doesn't have to be just, you know, you don't have to have 11 and a half sacks next year, like an Isaiah Foskey had this year, but in the big moments, who's the guy you can depend on? And I think that this is a opportunity for somebody to step up and show that they can be that guy. End of the day, Ryan, it's like it's not even necessarily a guy that's an incredibly highly productive guy, right? Like the 2018, 2019 defensive lines had had Julian Aquara, who was the big pass rusher. He was the sack guy. But you go to almost outside of the Virginia game in 2019, if you go to almost every big sack that Notre Dame had in 2018 and 2019, almost every single big one clutch game on the line sack – was Khalid Kareem, right? Michigan late. It was Pitt late. You know, it was he he was that clutch guy, kind of like Foskey was in 2020. And so those are things that you look at and say, um, even if it's not a guy that that just has nine pressures, if it's a guy that has three pressures, but they're on a key third and four, a key first and ten that stops a drive where your offense just gave you a three-point lead. You need a big play. Somebody gets a first down sack, uh, that kind of thing. Then all of a sudden you force a punt, and then your offense goes down and score, and all of a sudden a three-point game turns into a 10-point game. Where did it start? That that big sack on first down. Now, that guy didn't have a great game, but, man, that sack was money. And that's what Khalid Kareem was at Notre Dame. He was one of the most clutch pass rushers that I've seen in the last decade, and the only guy that's right above him, in my opinion, is Foskey. As far as just clutch, like when you needed a guy to make a pass rush in a big moment, it was Foskey, right? Yeah. And, and that's how Khalid was. And it could even be something like that where a guy has one pressure all game, but it's just a money situation. They go right down the field. Like I think of the sack that Foskey had against USC, right? Mm-hmm. USC was driving uh, last year, 2020 or 2021. Mm-hmm. USC's driving. They get in the red zone. He comes around as a big strip sack. Akitan Slovis just completely stalled their drive. I think he ended up settling for a field goal. On that drive, he got, he, he got him back in the Cincinnati game yeah. last year as well. With right, the big sack. bingo. Yeah. That's a great point. They're down seventeen nothing, and Cincinnati's driving. Mm-hmm. And Aaronsberger puts his hands up. Uh, Foskey comes around the edge, hits it, strips it. Kept them in this Oklahoma State game. Oklahoma State's mm-hmm. about to put that game away in the fourth quarter. Isaiah's the big. It wasn't a sack. I don't think it was a scramble, but he comes up and he knocks the ball out. 
either of the running back record. Was it Sanders that he knocked it out of, or was it a it was run Sanders. play? I'm pretty sure. I, it was I thought Sanders. it was a scramble. Yeah. And so, will it be who, who will be that clutch guy? Who will be that guy that? And this is something we didn't see all year, Ryan. And this is something we didn't talk about yesterday that I'm very curious to see if somebody emerges in that role this game. Mm-hmm. What we didn't see on defense is that, that past defenses has had. It was there, either it was a Wusu Koromoa or it was Khalid Kareem or Dalen Hayes or Adio Gandiji yeah. or Logan Gilman or J, uh, Julian Love or guys like that. There was always that guy, that, that group of players that when the game needed to be won and a play needed to be made, for example, like, I don't know, your offense just went up 15 12. And your team and you defensively have a team backed up third and nine inside their own fifth, 10 yard line, like hypothetically or directly this Marshall game. Who mm-hmm. steps up and makes that play? Your your offense, your offense has been struggling all game. They finally put a, a drive together. They get a touchdown to put you up 14, 13. Who makes the play that then goes and we say, well, hey, look, they did strip Tanner McKee. The rest made a bad call. Cool. But that was still in their own territory. There's a lot of other chances for plays to be made on that series. And nobody stepped up to make it. I think of Alohi Gilman stripping Jared Pinkney at the goal line in 2018 against Vanderbilt, right? You always had that money player. Who is going to be that guy in this game that then starts to take over that role next year? That's stuff that that's expectations that I want to see from this bowl game as well, Ryan. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Did you see uh, Gilman had a, had a – he started this past game for the Chargers, which was awesome to see, man. He was he was that money player. But, I mean, I agree completely, man. It is – bowl games are interesting things at times, right, because they feel very separate from the season a lot, especially when you are dealing with some opt-outs, with some transfer portal guys, all those different types of things. But there's still a massive opportunity for – players to set the table for themselves for the next season. And I think that, you know, again, I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know if it's Riley Mills. I don't know if it's Howard Cross. I don't know if it's Gabriel Rubio. Like, I I don't know who that guy is that makes that big play when you need it most. But I have to think, and judging by how everyone's kind of picking this game so far, whether it's Sporting News or ESPN, a lot of people think it's going to be a close game, right? So when it's a close game, those moments matter so much in those big time moments, those pressure packed situations. So, you know, I, I'm sure we'll pick who are the breakout stars of the bowl game are going to be, but mm-hmm. regardless, Notre Dame is going to need it. It's going right. to need it probably at some point in this football game. That's the expectation, right? That's what we talk yep. about. What are expectations for this game? It's what bowl games, bowl games can have too much made of them at times, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I also think they can be too easily dismissed at times. That's true. And and one thing Adam Rittenberg wrote in his article at ESPN was 
this is a fairly important game for Notre Dame. I think he's right. I think he's absolutely right. I think this is a game that is like the bowl game against Iowa State two years, three years ago. It didn't matter a whole lot to me. It really did. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, they're seven and like, weren't they like seven and five? And Notre Dame was like 10 and two. And, like you know, that, and it's yeah. just like, dude, this is a mismatch. Now, you know, their defense was pretty decent that year at times and all that. But it's like, you know, if Notre Dame doesn't dominate this game, there's a problem. No, they did what they needed to do, and they went and dominated and all that. And it was it was good to see that, right? You get rewarded for doing what you're supposed to do. That's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Sure. You know, but, like, this is a different scenario. Relatively mm-hmm. even, evenly matched game on paper and mm-hmm. rankings-wise, and also just from a momentum standpoint. Um, you know, those are things that, that you know, I think that we'll, we'll need to – to see you know that's that's kind of that's kind of that's what i'm looking at ryan for this game i love it and especially when you don't have guys like michael mayer and isaiah foskey who are your guys right like who's the next wave i mean we talk about all the time right who's the next money player who's the next star have opportunity to see that right and you have guys that on are both sides have- really too Right. Yes. I mean, absolutely. we're focused on defense right now, but the same thing is true on offense, right? Who steps up as that playmaker in the past game on third and four? That was right. always Michael Mayer. And, right. And it's and Deion Colsey started to show that it was a little bit of him later in the on season. Third long. He, sure. Exactly. So, but can he parlay that now into increased opportunities on third downs? Right. So that's what I'm looking for. Can well. Isaac? Can Tobias? Tobias. Okay, I'm gonna say this like a normal person. Can Tobias Merriweather? Tobias Merriweather. Can he go out there? No. Can Tobias go out there and and you know look? Didn't have a ton of experience during the season, but mm-hmm. have that sort of bowl game breakout. We've seen that before from guys, right? Sure. Uh, is it going to be Dion? My uh, perfect world. Both of them. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Can they get Lorenzo? Is this a Lorenzo Styles game? Is this a game we finally get him going? Does Jaden Tom? And here's the guy that I got my eye on. Mm-hmm. The guy conversation to me. That's Dion. That's Tobias. Possibly Lorenzo. He's got to get his head on right. But the talent was there. It's what we talked about during the offseason. I don't ever see Jaden Thomas being the guy. But Mm -hmm. I see Jaden Thomas being a bigger, thicker Avery Davis, meaning Mm -hmm. leadership and all that. But Avery Davis never put up monster numbers. Mm -hmm. But you could almost trace every play he made and be like, that was clutch. That was third and five. That was third and ten. That was a late fourth quarter play, right? Like, it was always that. Like, if you go look at his numbers against – South Carolina or against Clemson in 2020. Remember that, mm-hmm. Ryan? Like mm-hmm. he didn't catch a mess of balls that game. No. He just caught balls that were important. Like mm-hmm. I I think he what did he let me pull this up. What did he end with that game? He had against Clemson, he had four catches for 78 yards, right? I can three of them off the top of my head, I can remember. He had a huge sideline catch, I think on a third or fourth down to move the chains. Mm-hmm. He had the big long pass to set up the after they had just fallen behind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in that game, Clemson had fi- or had finally taken a lead in that game, and then he comes back and makes that great catch. But that wasn't it. The biggest play he made that game was the third down touchdown pass he got where he was working one way. It was covered, so he broke quickly back into a hole, gave Ian Book room to throw that pass to tie the game. The, the, if, if you don't do that, then the big long play that everybody remembers doesn't matter. So that's sure. three of his four catches right there. Four catches, 78 yards. That's not a monster game, but they don't win that game without those three catches, right? Yeah. That's how Avery was. I think he had like one catch against Duke in 2020. 
two catches for 26 yards. One of them was a third and long that went for a touchdown. If you're on a great back shoulder catch in the in, up the seam, mm-hmm. that's how Avery was, and that's how I see Jaden Thomas. If they're using him more as a slot guy, which is what I think they should do, I think he could be that that guy that says who takes Michael Mayer's reps, who takes not reps but like routes, who's mm-hmm. that situational money player. I could see it being Jane Thomas, but can he? It's one thing to be that guy when you've got Mayer over there. It's another yeah. thing when you're that guy that when people know you're that guy. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. That's what I'm curious to see in this game. Yeah, and look, man, there's a lot of excitement about these wide receivers. There is. I mean, how long have we been talking about Deion Colsey and Tobias Merriweather, Brian? Right? Like we've been waiting for for that breakout game of them together. So. They'll have opportunities. Jaden Thomas will have opportunities. I hope Lorenzo Styles has a big game. I hope Holden Stays gets a lot of touches. I hope that uh hope Mitchell Evans gets a couple opportunities in the passing game as well. So there's a lot of talent at the at the receiver position, lot in the pass game just in general. The question is, who are those guys gonna be? Who are your dudes? There's a lot of talent, but there's a big big difference between being a talented player who can play a role and being a talented player who is the guy. It was a big, big, big difference. So there's going to be a lot of options, but I hope I'm hopeful that there's going to be at least a couple of players that are able to take that opportunity and really rise with it going into the off season. Brian, who, if you know, we, we kind of get into some predictions and all that other kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, uh, something I'm curious to kind of see is from this game is, is how the running back mm-hmm. group is used in this game. Right. If they do go away more from twelve, if they go away from twelve personnel more, what would be what would be that type of like? How do you think that impacts impacts how they use the running backs in this game? Because we've seen them. Like, does it look more like North Carolina and Cal, where like all three were being used, or do you think it looks more like later in the season, where it's just it was Logan and Audric, and then they would find eventually ride the hot hand and. And grind it out. I, I mean, I'm always going to be hopeful that they're going to use all three and that they're going to use a ton more 21 personnel to try to get something in the passing game. Because, I mean, one thing we talked about is with Michael Mayer out, you have to supplement a lot of targets, obviously, and a lot of opportunities. And, yeah, the immediate conversation is going to be the other tight ends in the room. Then it's going to turn to the other wide receivers of the room. But I think that you've seen when used properly, whether it is as a – legitimate player in the passing game on an angle route or a wheel route or just a check down. Notre Dame has some guys that can make plays in the passing game. I mean, we remember what Chris Tyree did last year in the bowl game. We know what we know what the weapon that he can be in the passing game when utilized. We know we remember Logan Diggs against North Carolina in a couple games this season where you're like, okay, he use on a wheel route, for instance, and getting him out of the backfield. Audrick estimates averaging like 16 yards a catch or something like that because all he catches is just like angle routes that he takes for big gains. So I mean, to your question, Brian, I think that you're, I think that Notre Dame's offense is going to have to play less heavy personnel and they're going to have to utilize running backs in the passing game a lot more than they have over the last few games. Cause I think without Michael Mayer, you're going to have to supplement those touches. And I think that you've seen when Tyree Logan Diggs or Roderick estimate get opportunities in the passing game, they have the skill set to make those types of plays and, we didn't even talk about the second level of South Carolina's defense much because of obvious reasons, right? But I think that you can also create a lot of mismatches there in the passing game. And there's going to be a lot of man coverage, I would assume, early on in this football game. You know what's a, uh, 
a fan favorite as far as playing some cover one or cover zero is a nice little halfback angle out of the backfield, right? <laughs> zero, like that's yeah. that's a fan favorite, man. So I think that you have the opportunity to really supplement some of those touches in the passing game with the running backs because all three have shown in their own way, if you use them properly in the passing game, they can all be weapons. So I, mm-hmm. I really do think that you need to use all three effectively in this one. Yeah. I think that's when the offense has really clicked this year is when like the Clemson game, for example, we didn't see a lot of touches for Chris Tyree, but they were perimeter touches that I thought softened Clemson up just when Clemson was starting to really load the box and come out and say, bam. Cause that was the one thing we said about that game. That was probably Tommy Reese's best game of the season. Cause he was just constantly one step ahead. Now it wasn't the most productive. I mean, only scored really 21 offensive points. I mean, technically 28, uh, no, it's tech really only 14 on just drives, right? Part of that's because you had a blocked punt that took a possession away, a pick six that, six that took a possession away. But the thing I loved about that game plan, Ryan, is he was constantly one step ahead of the kid, the cat from Clemson. It's like it's like he always was ready for his answer. Yeah. You know, you start loading the box, hey, let's go 21 and get Chris Tyree out there and throw a couple little nows and we're just stealing yards from you. Like, I'm like, that's stuff I want to see all the time, yes. you know? Um but like those are those are things that I think can be impactful too. You know, get some of that cover one stuff. Really emphasize against cover one because they'll play some. They'll play other stuff. They'll play some quarters. They'll play some yeah. other things. Right. They'll mix up their coverages. But when you get those man free, how you got to identify this as man free. You got to see we're running this route. If you hit your third step and it's not there, you're not running. You're not going to. Your, it's okay if they're all dropping. That means nobody's covering Audric or Logan or Chris Tyree on the on the check swing. Yeah. Flip that sucker out there, buddy. Right? Those are the stealing yards things that I think that w- that I'd like to see more of from this offense. That was not as easy to get to when you're in twelve and thirteen personnel and it's all condensed. It, the, right. But there were still plenty of t- uh, shots there. I mean, it was there, and and that's kind of you know like a lot of teams, Ryan. They'll do the angle stuff you talked about and they'll check the backs and just check them right from the quarterback. Yeah. One thing that I liked that Notre Dame did a lot of this year, which I'm kind of more of a fan of, I like designed running back routes over the middle. I like my checks to go wide. And I think that that's what we saw a lot from them this year is getting those checks outside the box where I can just dump it off and he can be in space as yeah. opposed to having to catch a ball. Because like if I'm throwing a check wide, more often than not, if the ball is thrown correctly, he's catching it squared. Mm-hmm. If, I'm ju- if I'm dumping a ball off on a guy who's basically just kind of optioned behind the line he's got to catch turn mm-hmm. find the defense and go that's why i've always been a fan of the perimeter checks you know check 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 swing mm-hmm. you know and and those are the things that have worked for notre dame a couple times this year but they've been open a lot those yeah. are those are things that against quarters and cover one which is the you know two of the primary court coverages that that south carolina runs are both great check release things against a team that's not great at protect at rushing the quarterback Yep. So those are other parts of it. And but where's that going to? That's the backs. Yes. You know, and I will either Audric in space, just running someone over, you know, Logan in space, shifting somebody, or Chris Tyregan in space and just running fast. <laughs> those are some stuff that I could see, you know. No doubt. Yes. Yes. Um special teams to me could also be another key to this game, Ryan. Um uh here's a big shocker. Right, I'm, I'm going to throw something at you <laughs> that you're going to be really floored by. Okay, Uh-oh. prepare yeah. yourself for this. Uh-oh. Shane Beamer mm-hmm. 
has really good special teams. I, I know that's going to surprise you. You know, Beamer, being Beamer Frank Ball, Beamer's kid Beamer Ball has and special being a special teams coach most of his career. Number yeah. one, according to the FEI, uh, for Brian Fermo does the fishing index, which I really like the job he does with that stuff. Uh, number one ranked special teams in the country. Wow. It's not very often that Notre Dame, Notre Dame was sixth, by the way. It's not very often Notre Dame has been in the game this year where the other opponent had a better special teams results. And as a matter of fact, it hasn't happened yet. That's another part that's going to be an important part of this game too, Ryan, is, is just the finishing the special team strong. No big mistakes, those type of things. Can you find ways to maybe you know steal some yards there? I'm very curious to see how Brian Mason goes against another well-coached special teams. That's one of the things that maybe people don't want to talk about, but I'm fascinated by that. Two really well-coached special teams doing battle. That's going right. to be very interesting. Oh, man, they're the, the Notre Dame punt block unit against the, the uh, South Carolina punt, co- punt coverage or punt – well, they're blocking as well, but you know what I mean, punt, punt protection unit. Mm-hmm. That should be a nice little, nice little conversation, man. Where's the pressure going to come from? What is your protections up front? I mean, look, in this – again, I, I talked about this already, but – in a game that a lot of people are projecting to be a close football game that could go either way, having those types of moments in the special teams area of the game, I mean, one, you can't do anything that's just going to kill your momentum, right? So, like, let's protect the football. No stupid th- no stupid stuff like muff punts or, you know, uh, negative plays, bad snaps. Like, those things just can't happen, right? But it is going to be interesting, Brian, because, I mean, when – when Virginia Tech was at its best, I'm going to go back to Frank Beamer for a second. Beamer ball was not just defense and running the football. Beamer ball was we're going to block some punts. We're going to flip field position. That's how that's what Beamer ball was built off of, right? And Shane does have those elements in there in his in his arsenal, obviously, with what he's done as a special teams coach and what he's done this year for South Carolina as a special uh, from the special teams perspective as well. So we've we have lauded and really given Brian Mason all the credit he deserves this year with how great he's done. But this is one of those money games, I guess, right? Like this is one of those ones where you can't kill yourself. If you can flip field position from time to time with the punt return, or if you can get the kick return game going a little bit more potentially as well. So I think that this is a sneaky aspect of this game because you got two very good special teams play teams going against two special teams units that don't really hurt themselves a ton, right? Like there's not a ton of negative plays. So is there a, ne- is there a swing play in those games, a negative play that flips the momentum in either team's direction? I, I think it comes down to which, which special teams unit is the cleanest in this football game. Cause it's mm-hmm. two, two units that don't usually make a ton of mistakes. Yep. Yep. So that's going to be the fun part of it, Ryan. So this game is going to be, you know, expectations are high. We need to see this Notre Dame team come out ready to play. Uh, we need to see this team coming out fired up. Uh, we need to see this team come out and, and win. That's going to be the key. And so, you know, we'll start diving in next week and the week after. We'll start diving into more specific types of this matchup, get into a little bit more of the scheme, the personnel matchups, uh, keys to victory, all that kind of stuff we'll get into as we get closer to the game. But that, this at least gives you a cursory look at kind of what the expectations are, why we think Notre Dame should be a team that looked at to win, but also why a win over South Carolina is one you have to earn. Right. right. This is a well-coached football team, in my opinion, Ryan. I think that's it the is. one thing that that you miss is this is a, a and there's been a change at offensive coordinator. Right. Uh, was was Marcus, Marcus Satterfield was their offensive coordinator. Correct. He was. He He's was, gone. Yeah. They've hired a new guy. A lot of excitement about him. 
you know, that's another aspect of it. Okay. What's he going to run? What's going to be different? Um, so I think those are things that you look at and, and say, Hey, this is, um, you know, this is, this is something that you, you got to look at and say, Hey, look, this is going to be a game. This is going to be a game. You have to earn this isn't South. This is an Iowa state versus Notre Dame 2020 or 2019. Right. This is a, this is a much better contest. And so we're going to learn a lot about Notre Dame from that. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And that's why I think the, a victory would mean more because you're beating somebody that's like, look, they're ranked higher than you. You're only a two point favorite. A lot of people are predicting them to beat you. Okay. Go out and earn it. Prove some people yeah. wrong. And that's going to, what's going to make this fun. And I expect this team to come out ready to play. I, I we just right. haven't, that just hasn't been an issue very often for Notre Dame. I mean, outside of Marshall and Stanford and right. I mean, so it, it's happened, mm-hmm. but in big games, this like even USC, that game was, well, actually I'm going to take that back. I didn't think the defense was mentally ready to play that game. I, and I think it's because of the passive game plan. They were on their heels just from the game plan standpoint. It's hard to be aggressive when you're on your heels from the game plan standpoint. But I thought the Notre Dame offense came out fired up and ready to play. Yeah. They just didn't execute. Yeah. I mean, that was really it. Agreed. That was really it. So that's going to do it. Uh, that's that's uh, that's going to do it here. Now, as we get into the end of this game, or into this breakdown, we're going to get into mailbag next. So we have a lot of questions in the mailbag. And we'll, we'll get into a lot of those. So we have some super chats and all those kind of things. So uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us for this part of the show. Hit that like, hit that subscribe, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, sign up for the message boards at boards at irishbreakdown.com, and check out our main site at irishbreakdown.com.